Um, but just like Jess did the Northeast Shuffle this morning and wasn't supposed to be leading, I was actually supposed to be preaching next week, but a few weeks ago, um, Graham and I switched it over. And luckily that we did, the Lord seemed to have it all under control anyway, because he messaged me this morning being like, it's a good thing we switched because I've got a really bad throat infection and wouldn't be able to preach. So God is good and uh, we have been ordained and planned perfectly in his hand. So um, praise God for the small things like that, because otherwise it would be an absolute scattered mess if somebody had to just jump up here and preach um, ad lib. Um, But if you are new here or you haven't been here for the last few weeks, we are in the middle of a series um, talking about David and his life as uh, the king of Israel. And uh, we're kind of, like I said, I was supposed to be preaching next week. So here's a big spoiler. Even though the text was written like 2,600 years ago or something like that, uh, Saul has actually died. And he he died in what would be this week's teaching and you would learn about that. But instead, we're jumping to next week's teaching. So it's going to be a big plot hole if I don't say that from the outset. So forgive me for the spoiler. But as we go forward, you might be like, wait, what happened to Saul? I thought he was just like in the cave and David didn't kill him, but now he's dead. And so anyway, he's passed on now. So Saul is dead. This is when Graham Graham will tell it. Grail and tell her way better next week. So just pretend this didn't happen. But um, so as we pick up, we're picking up in 2 Samuel 2, verse 1 to 7. And like I said, this is just after Saul had died. Um, David was mourning him. And, um, and then we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 2. And it says, In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. And the Lord said, Go up. David asked, Where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, deliberately omitting those names. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the men from Jabesh Gilead, this is why I omitted the first few words, Because I feel like I'm so confident when I'm by myself to say it out loud. And then I get up here and I'm like, I have no idea. Anyway, who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say to to them, the Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness. And I too will show you the same favour because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul, your master, is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. And then a few chapters later in the Scriptures, so um, David's been made king of Judah now, and then a few chapters later we see in 2 Samuel verse 5, verse 1 to 4, the Scriptures continue to say, All of the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people, Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So he's been promoted again. And Dave was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years. And so we enter this story, like I said, after Saul had died, 
And David was anointed, we see here, not for the second time in his life, but also for the third time. And I actually opened this series on David um, weeks ago now, and we spoke about David being the chosen one, and that that is when he first received his first anointing from Samuel when he was just a kid. And so here we see him be anointed for the second and then for the third third time as he becomes the king over Israel, which is what was first prophesied over him when he was just a boy. And I feel like we can read this and be like, yeah, it's David, like the one after God's own heart. And of course, he's anointed a whole bunch of times because he is so anointed and he's gifted and he's got the leadership and he's just like a good guy of God. Because I feel like the word anointing, which is the topic of this week's study, can be such a buzzword in Christianity. And I know I'm guilty of it. I feel like I've heard a thousand different directions, people speaking about being anointed and people speaking about an anointing and receiving an anointing and praying for an anointing. And all of these things can get kind of fuzzy when we're actually thinking about it. And so I feel like Jack and I were even having this conversation earlier this week about like, How would you describe an anointing to somebody who's never been in church and who's never read the Bible and who doesn't believe in God? And we were both kind of like, oh, like could give a a, a few like grey explanations, which should be a red flag for how often we we talk about anointing. If we can't describe what it is, then we should be more careful about using it. But this is what the the origin of the word actually means. It was a form that, it was a practice of shepherds. And so... um, Like, I feel like everything I ever preach about is about shepherds and sheep. So like, it's not a passion of mine. It just seems to be a common theme. But so shepherds back in the day, lice and other insects would often get into the wool of the sheep. And when they got near the sheep's head, they could burrow into the sheep's ears and kill the sheep. And so these ancient shepherds would pour oil on the sheep's head, which would make the wool slippery and make it impossible for the insects to get near the sheep's ears because the insects would just like slide off. And from this, the evangelist Jordan Wells puts it like this. He says that anointing from that became symbolic of blessing, protection and empowerment. So we take that kind of thing that was for a really practical base and it becomes this symbolic thing that that teaches us about blessing, protection and empowerment through the Bible and through the stories in the Bible. And so those three things is what I just want to kind of stretch out and make a bit clearer for when we're talking about and receiving the anointing from God. And so the first one is blessing. And I think it's super important, another buzzword of church, but maybe like less now than it was a few years ago. It's important to acknowledge that blessing and being blessed has nothing to do with being outwardly blessed. And I feel like that is like a trap that we can fall into in Western culture where we think that more is more. But blessing has nothing to do with being outwardly blessed and everything to do with being internally changed. And what the true meaning of it is that we're consecrated or we're set aside for something supremely special. And those words are picked intentionally by me for you because I think special can just be so like, oh, you're so special. Like it doesn't really carry that much heft. But I feel like knowing that you are special and having somebody of significance tell you that you are special just like strikes a chord in all of us, I think, in that need to want to seem valued and seen and appreciated. And so you can imagine that the sheep these sheep being anointed and like the main reason is for the bugs so they don't get into the ears but really when you kind of like take it down 
the underpinning reason that that sheep has been anointed or poured, poured oil is because the sheep has been valued by the shepherd. The shepherd isn't going into the wild and just picking any animal and pouring oil on its head. It's got oil for its sheep only. And it's, it's to say that that sheep is important, it's valuable, and the shepherd's plan for it goes beyond just walking around the wilderness and doing all of the things, but it means that that sheep is set aside for something supremely special. It belongs to the shepherd and it has a plan for it. And so I feel like this is the same for David when he was first anointed as a child, that first one in the first chapter of um, Samuel. He was anointed as a child. And when we first accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour, this is us receiving the blessing. Even though things might not outwardly change, we get the assurance that we are valuable enough, that we are chosen. And I can't help but wonder when I think of this, how differently the world would be, how differently our church would act if we were a group of people who knew that we were set aside for something supremely special, that as we walk into our everyday, we can believe and know that we are uniquely positioned and we are perfectly equipped for wherever we are and whatever we are doing because God has taken us as an individual, placed value on us, declared that we're special, declared that we're set aside, that we're not a consolation or we're just someone in the background or we're just like no one really important in the church. But we are carrying the anointed blessing that goes with us into each and every day that has the power to bring the light of Jesus Christ into our world, whatever facet that kind of looks like. And then the second one is protection or protected. And I, when I read that story of the sheep, firstly, this is the worst story ever. Jack and I were watching a, a movie like a few weeks ago and I was just laying down, like living my best relaxed life and a fly flew straight into my ear. And it was just, honestly, like, so we were just like laying, I was like laying peacefully and I just like sat straight up and I was like, I like think I like screamed and then I was like hitting my head and like, just like freaking out. And Jack had no idea what was happening because what sounded like the world was caving in in my head sounded like silence to him. And so, I mean, I'm a startled person anyway, so it didn't shock him that much. But honestly, it was just terrible. And when I read that story about the oil going on the sheep's head to protect it from bugs going in its ears. Oh, instantly I was just like very distressed. But that was the first thing I thought of. And you know what? No movie was watched after that. We were not sitting in the same room after that. We went straight to the bathroom. I had a torch in my head. Jack was like trying to like get water in there and whatever else we did. And I was like, honestly, what it didn't, even though he was helping me, didn't want a bar of that, didn't want like any reason. I just wanted, and the fly would like stay still and then it would go, Zzz! and like, just like, and so it was just like sporadic and I was like, maybe it's gone. And then two seconds later, it would just like buzzed in my brain again and it was so stressful and I was totally thrown off. I was freaked out. I was distracted. I don't even know if the movie got finished that night because it was the worst ever, but I feel like if that is what the sheep were being protected of, we can look back to that leading scripture. And in verse one, it says, in the course of time, David inquired of the Lord before he made his next move. And since he was anointed as a boy, we see through his life that this was a bit of a go-to move for David. Before he would do something, he would inquire of the Lord. Before he went to a new town, he would inquire of the Lord. And this continued through his life. Um, and I feel like that is him living in the anointing that God had given him. He drew close to the Lord and he listened for his voice. And then in 1 Chronicles 10, 
uh, verse 13 to 14, which kind of tells the story along the same timeline as the one we're reading, we read that Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the, uh, t- he failed to obey the Lord's command and he even co- consulted a medium or a psychic or whatever instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David's son of Jesse. And so like the sheep, Saul didn't walk in that anointing and press in in that anointing. Instead, he let the wrong things get in his ears, inquiring to the wrong sources and not to God himself. And as a result, he lost his anointing and he lost his life. What we should learn from these two very different kind of Um, ways of living or two very different styles of leadership or life or whatever you want to call it, is that we should be encouraged to seek the Lord in all things, big and small and ugly and uncomfortable and things that we would never dream of uttering to another person. We can go to the Lord and we can inquire. Should I make this decision? Should I take this job? Should I move to this city? Should I speak to that person? Should I send this message? All of these things We should be inquiring of the Lord. And it's so easy when we have so many distractions and so so much consumable content that we can consult the voices of this world. It's easy to throw a Google search in, check social media, ask someone else what they did. All of these things have the potential to be good, but also have the potential for us to be seeking the wrong sources like Saul did. And in turn, step out of the anointing, step out of God's plan for our life and and like Jess said, our, our steps will stop being ordered by the Lord and instead will be of the world. And in James 1, verse 5 in the NLT, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And I wonder if that is in conflict to things or suppositions that we already believe about God, that if I do ask God for this, He's just going to rebuke me and it's going to be terrible and I'm going to get in trouble. But we see here that He is a generous God and wisdom is a gift from God. There's a whole book in the Bible about wisdom. And when we seek the Lord, when we ask Him, when we inquire of Him, He will indeed give us the wisdom, He will answer the door and He will order our steps. And so the next, the last one is empowered and empowerment. And again, a bit of a buzzword. I feel like my whole sermon's a bit buzzy, but empowerment, you can be like, yes, you're an empowered like woman of God, all of these things. But to be empowered means that you have power inside you. And so back when David was anointed for the first time, Samuel the prophet said to him, he said, the spirit of God will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are being fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And being anointed as Christians means that we are perfectly equipped and we are empowered to do whatever it is that your hand finds to do. And that is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is that it is a relationship and not a religion. There is not a mould that you have to fit into. There is not a one size fits all. There's not a vocation that you have to do. There's not rituals that you have to do. It is a relationship between us and the Father who created the earth. And I feel like this should indicate to us that for our personal lives, as well as the church, we should be the ones to cultivate uniqueness in our society and expression and individuality, because whatever desires God has given you upon your heart 
will be different to mine and will be different to the person next to you. And whatever it is that your hand finds to do, whether that is you're a stay-at-home dad or you're a yoga teacher or you play Yu-Gi-Oh five days a week or you work in a cafe, whatever it is, just like David, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever people you interact with, whichever family you have been uniquely placed within, whatever your hand finds to do, just like David, God is with you. And the knowledge of that and the reassurance of that and the truth that is in us, in that truth should be, should be what makes us feel empowered. Each and every day, small moments, big moments, that should be the truth that gets us through, that we are perfectly equipped, uniquely positioned and forever empowered for whatever we need to go forward and do. And here is a wonderful truth to start to wrap this up is that under the new covenant, every single believer is anointed. And I feel like this is what I was talking about when I've heard a bunch of different things about receiving different anointings and praying for the anointings of the Spirit. And there's probably room for a bigger discussion there. And I would not discount that and I will not go into that. But let me be, be clear here. And this is what cleared a lot of things up for me is that the word Christ is derived from the Greek, Greek word Christos. And that word actually means anointed. So when Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And when Ephesians 3 verse 17 says, Christ will make His, His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will go your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. When we read those scriptures and countless others in the New Testament, we can see that Christ, aka the anointing, is alive in us. And when we receive Him, when we believe in Him, when we trust Him, we receive the anointing of the same Spirit that was alive in Christ. And that's the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, the same Spirit that saw Jesus be blessed protected and empowered as He fulfilled the calling that was put upon our lives. And so, and then in 1 John 2.27, it says, The anointing that you received from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you all about, teaches you about all things, Wait, what am I reading here? Oh yeah. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. And I feel like that verse makes me feel like, well, if you don't need a teacher, does that mean that I've like graduated from church service on a Sunday? Do I not need to listen to a sermon? Should I not listen to like preaching through the week or whatever? But I, for me, and this was like a miscellaneous revelation, Preaching and sermons and messages on Sunday and encouragements from other believers, they're kind of like the same as like having snacks through the day. Now, like you don't need them, snack enthusiasts, behold, it was a conviction indeed, but they curb our hunger, they keep us in, in line and they do not make up for real meals. And for the solution of this, we look to Jesus who just like David was anointed more than once, but unlike David, he wasn't anointed by kings and prophets and leaders, but he was anointed by sinful, unclean women. Yet he is the one who lived in his anointing to its full measure that would see him blessed, protected and empowered throughout his time. And through him, he has invited us to do the same. 
not by relying on the ways of the world, not by relying on an IGTV version of a sermon that was preached on Sunday, not, not by coming to church at 9.40 on a Sunday, getting the food you can get and going out into your week. This should not be your main meals of your spiritual journeying with Christ. But instead, in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, this is how you do it. When you pray, say, give us this day our daily bread. It says, Lord, give us this fresh anointing every day so that when we seek you, when we allow you to pour out the full measure of your anointing, we will know that we are blessed, protected and empowered. And as we put our hands to different works, whatever our, whatever our hands might work on, help us embrace personally what you've sacrificed so we can live in relationship with you and be spoken to, guided by and empowered by you for all of our days, each and every day. You don't need to have the long-term plan. You need to take every day for what it is and say, Lord, today, I need the daily bread. I need your fresh anointing. I need your presence. I need your empowerment. I need a reminder that your voice is sovereign over the voices of the world. I need you to anoint me so you would protect me from things that might get in my mind, whether it's my own thoughts or other people's voices. Lord, I need that protection. I need your sovereignty. And maybe the worship team would come up. But as we close the service, I wanted to point out, and this, this has been heavy on my heart all week, as I've known that I would preach this week, I wanted to just point out and bring attention to the fact that both Jesus and David received a fresh anointing just before really significant parts of their lives and leadership would, would take place. And that's when David be, before David became king of Judah and then king of Israel and Jesus just before he entered Jerusalem and kind of um, that Passion Week. And that might suggest to us as followers and the anointed people of Christ that receiving more of an anointing from the Lord or being reminded of the freshness and the power that is in the anointing of the Lord. It might give us a fresh revelation of His grace. And so as the music plays and we finish with worship, I would just like you to stand and receive it if that is you at a, as, at a um, cusp of a new season. And you don't have to like stand straight away, like the music will start to play and everyone will stand anyway. But it is inside your heart in that personal communication with God that says, I actually do need that. And I'm standing at the start of a season or a time or a newness, whether that's a new job, whether that's a new calling, whether that's a new relationship, a new group of friends, whatever that might look like for you, standing at the cusp of a, of a season where you feel really unworthy, really incapable, fearful, scared, worried, anxious, all of these things and you can stand and you can say, I need that new anointing because the pesty voices have actually gotten into my head and I don't feel protected and I don't feel blessed and I don't feel empowered. But when you trust in God and when you receive Jesus Christ as your Saviour and as your Lord, we know that the anointing is with you from the one who lived out His anointing in its full measure. And so I wanna invite you to stand you don't have to do it now, like I said, no pressure. But, and I wanna pray for you. And I wanna pray that this would be a day changing measure that you would not only accept it and receive it today, but you would commit to each and every day seeking the Lord and saying, I need my daily bread today. I don't need enough for tomorrow. I don't need a weekly supply. I need you right now and I need you to show up. I need to know I'm protected in this. I need to know I'm empowered in this to be perfectly equipped and uniquely positioned 
I need to feel that in me and I need you, God. Nothing but God will do if this is the season that you're walking into. And so the worship team will start. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful for your sovereign voice that is above every other that there would be no power above yours. There would be nothing standing against you, not in the world and not in our personal walks with you, God. I ask that as we receive the knowledge of your saving grace today, whether that is for the first time or whether that is a daily surrender, God, I pray that you would be with us, that when we, when we just like put that little bit of courage out to surrender to you, God, that you're, the rushing waves of your Holy Spirit and your great anointing would be upon us, Lord released into areas of our life that we haven't wanted to speak, but we know that our generous God will hear us and will not rebuke us for it, Lord. I pray that as we are a church of people who are vulnerable in front of You and vulnerable in personal conversation with You, God, that You would be faithful to answer, mighty to save, and so grace-filled to forgive us for the times that we thought that we could do it on our own, Lord. And as we stand here, Lord, as an act of surrender and an act of worship, I pray that you would just have that revelation of feeling blessed, of feeling protected, of feeling empowered, God, and of, and of feeling Your Spirit alive in us and not our own, God. I pray that You would take sovereignty over every other voice who have spoken words of hurt, of trauma, of death over us, God, and we would be able to reclaim Your words of hope and truth and life. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for this church as we go out that we would be able to be the light of Jesus, that whatever our, our hands would find to work, You would put Your favour upon it and Your blessing upon it, God, that we would be able to um, speak life and be able to grow the fruit of Your Spirit into whatever we are facing, God. And for those who are facing new seasons, I ask for a boldness, for that empowerment, for the protection and an assurance that, you, that, they, that their steps are ordered by You, that they are perfectly positioned and uniquely equipped by the same Spirit who rose Christ from the dead. Lord, we pray all of these things in Your mighty, saving Name of Jesus. Amen.